For the last time this morning, we're going to be turning together to Mark's Gospel. So if you could all maybe grab a Bible there in front of you in the pew, page 1015, Mark chapter 10 is the, the chapter we're, we're going to spend a few moments on this morning. This morning, I'm going to speak much more briefly than usual, and uh, I'll explain why in a moment. Mark chapter 10 and particularly the the latter half of that chapter we'll be looking at for a few minutes this morning. Every time you become aware of, of a new piece of information or a new fact, you have a decision to make. It's a decision we always make, but usually we make it subconsciously, so you probably have never thought about this. Let me let me illustrate what I mean. If I were to say to you, Goliath and Samson are two massive yellow cranes on the dockside in East Belfast, I've, I've shared a, a fact with you. And it's not a fact that requires any response. It's just a fact. It's one that you can quite comfortably take and leave there. So that's, that's one type, a fact that doesn't really require you to do anything. But there are other kinds of facts that do require a response. For example, if, if a policeman burst in through that door just now as I'm speaking and said, we've been tipped off, there's a bomb underneath this building and it's gonna go off in five minutes. That's an entirely different kind of fact. It's something that we've become aware of, but by the becoming aware of it, immediately we realize that it needs a response. It's, it's not enough to sit there for the five minutes and say, I know the fact, and wait. No, no, we must respond and do something with that. Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that all the stuff that we have been learning in the last six weeks together is in that second category. It's that kind of fact that must have a response. Sitting and knowing it just won't ever be enough. It's not an appropriate way to respond to the facts as we've seen them in Mark's gospel. This is our last talk, as I say, in our Christianity Explored series, and I'm going to take a few minutes in Mark chapter 10. In the latter half of this chapter, Jesus shows us two different responses. Sorry, Mark shows us two different responses to Jesus Christ. Jesus, in the the first part of chapter 10, has told his disciples, and we've talked about this a couple of times, he's told his disciples that he's going to be killed, that he's on his way to Jerusalem just now to be killed. Look at verse 32. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. They're astonished because Jesus' enemies all live in Jerusalem. This is Jerry Adams going onto the Shankill Road. That's what this is. So everybody's astonished. Why is he doing this? He's mad. These people are out to get him. Again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. When we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death. They'll hand him over to the Gentiles who'll mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, 
he'll rise again. So Jesus knows what he's doing. He's, he's conscious of what lies ahead, but determined to go that way. And it's against this backdrop that two of the disciples come to Jesus with a request. And that's what we're going to look at. They call it Jesus teacher, but they clearly haven't any idea of what Jesus is all about. Look at verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other sit at your left. This is probably the most inappropriate thing I've ever seen. Jesus has just told his disciples, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to be killed and to die. And these two come along to him and say, Jesus, whenever your kingdom comes, we want to be in the positions of power and prestige and authority. We want to be top dogs in your kingdom. That's what's on our mind right now while you face Jerusalem and death. Lots of us today are are preoccupied with, with the same kind of concerns that James and John express here. We want the best job and the best car and the best house. We want to have membership at the best social clubs. We want prestige, position, power. You see, Jesus tells James and John that to be identified with him will mean to be not, not identified with power and prestige, but suffering. Look at verse 42. He contrasts the way he would lead to the way leadership works in the world. He says, you know those who are regarded as leaders of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The disciples still haven't grasped it, that to be identified with Jesus isn't about power and authority and wealth and all the trappings. It's about servanthood, submission, and humility. It's about recognizing who Jesus is and saying, yes, I'll go that same road that Jesus did. So that's the first response, just very quickly, in this latter half of chapter 10. But James and John aren't the only ones who make a request of Jesus. Look with me at verse 46. Then they came to Jerusalem. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that's the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Massive difference. I think Mark has put these two accounts side by side to show a contrast. Massive difference between this, this blind man's response to Jesus and James and John. His response, Jesus, sorry, James and John wanted Jesus to do what, he, what they wanted 
They wanted him to pull the strings for them. This blind man just wants Jesus' mercy. He just wants Jesus to help him. He recognizes that he needs Jesus' help. Let's read on. Many rebuked him, that is in the crowd, and they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. People didn't think that Jesus would want to be troubled. You know, he was making his way through Jericho. He didn't want this heckler uh, near him. That's what people thought. You know, this guy is just making a scene here. But how does Jesus respond? Jesus stops. Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. The disciples, they wanted thrones and power and prestige. This blind man wants the mercy of Jesus and he wants to be able to see. Jesus calls Bartimaeus to him. Did did you notice, by the way, you may not have seen this as we read, the question that Jesus asks the blind man, word for word the same as the question he's asked James and John. In verse 51, he asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? He's made exactly the same offer to James and John. There's no favoritism here. Jesus is taking both of these, both of these responses and, he, and he's taking them at face value. What do you want me to do for you? He said, As the disciples answered, they showed only that they're vain and they're proud. Bartimaeus, his response shows that he just recognizes that he needs Jesus and he needs his help. Look at what happens to Bartimaeus in verse 52. Go, says Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he got his sight and followed Jesus along the road. There are two ways to respond to Jesus Christ. One is to say, I still want power, authority, independence, all on my own terms. The other is to say, I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless, and I need your mercy. To the people who want the power and the authority and their own independence, James and John, they get a sharp put down. Jesus won't be involved in that. To the person who asks for mercy, who turns to God knowing their need, they're received, they're blessed, and they're given what they need most of all. Friends, we began this morning by saying that these facts that we have learned in Mark's gospel are the kind of facts that require a response. And that's, that's so true. If you're here this morning and you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ and begun to live the life that he calls you to, I, I don't want to hold back this morning. I want to ask you to consider doing that, to respond to Jesus because your, your very life and your eternal future depends on it. 
Jesus can't help the Jameses and the Johns of this world. He has nothing to offer them. Jesus isn't into the power and prestige game. If, if that's really what you want, and if that's what you want to live your life for, then you must go that way and know that you go it without Jesus. If you're here this morning and you recognize your need, then Jesus Christ has everything for you and is everything that you need. We're going to take a few minutes this morning doing something entirely different than we normally do in church. I want to give everyone a, a chance to respond to, to what we've talked about. Often our church service format doesn't really allow for that. I preach a sermon, pray a prayer, we sing a hymn, and we all go home. But I want to leave a wee bit of space this morning for you to think about these things. First of all, I want to do what I've done at the end of a couple of our, our sermons, and that's to pray a prayer. And again, I'm going to, to tell you what I'm going to pray before I pray it. Listen carefully to the words of these, this prayer, and if you think this is beginning to make sense in your life, that God is calling you to himself, then the second time when I actually pray it, pray it along with me. Repeat in your own heart and, and your own head the words that I'm using. This is the prayer I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I realize that I've sinned against you and against others. I'm willing to turn away from that self-centeredness and from now on to trust you. Thank you for the love you showed giving up your life for my sin. Please now become Lord of my life. Let's all bow together and let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I realize that I've sinned against God and against others. I'm willing to turn away from that self-centeredness and from now on to trust in you Thank you for the love you showed me, giving up your life for my sin. Please, now become Lord of my life. Amen. We're going to take a, a few minutes now. This is the part that is very different from what we would normally do. In your bulletin this morning, you received a, a white sheet, a Christianity Explored feedback form. If you didn't receive one of these, I'll sort that out for you in a moment. If you have a quick look at that form, our intention with this is to give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard here this morning and throughout this whole series. This is a form for everyone to fill in, okay? So I'm going to be filling one in, and everyone is going to fill one in. 
There, there are responses on there that will be appropriate for you no matter what stage you're at. So you, you'll not find this uh, unusual or, or strange in any way. I, I've said there at the bottom, my purpose with these forms is to have a bit of a look and see what kind of stage you're at. The only person, these are confidential. The only person who will see them will be me. So bear that in mind as you're ticking the boxes and writing any comments. I'm the only person who's going to be looking at this. Write anything that you'd be comfortable to communicate to me. What I'd like you to do is to take a few minutes here in the service to fill that in, then just fold it over and leave it in the hymn book rack as you go, and we'll collect them in straight after the morning service, and I'll get a chance to look at them. I'm going to ask Alan to play. By the way, there should be, there are pens in every pew, at the end of every pew, so if you're here this morning and you don't have a pen with you, reach up to the end of the pew or get somebody to grab one for you. In a moment, anybody who doesn't have a form or a pen, just stick your hand up and we'll sort that out for you. Um, but I'm going to ask Alan now to play. I'm going to ask him to play for about five minutes to give you time to, to think about this, to fill in the sheet. Feel free to write any comments you want on the sheet as well. And just use this as an opportunity to, to reflect on, on how God has been speaking to you through these services in Christianity Explored. Does anybody need a pen? Is everybody all right? Choir? And Alistair's got the sheets there for anyone who needs a sheet. 